It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What is up, everybody? Welcome into Saturday with Smoltz, where every single Saturday, the Hall of Famer from the Atlanta Braves joins me. This week, we got a lot of good stuff to talk about. The fight. The big brawl between the White Sox, Tim Anderson, and the Guardians, Jose Ramirez. Where he was when he saw it, what he thought about it, and the biggest fight that he has ever seen on a baseball field. Also, the Orioles situation with their play-by-play radio guy, Kevin Brown, uh, getting suspended by the team. His thoughts there and what he thought about that whole situation. Also, Zach Gallen coming up soon on the podcast. Talk to John Smoltz all about Zach Gallen and what he likes about him and what he sees that he does differently from everybody else. He doesn't throw 100 miles an hour, but he is certainly one of the best pitchers in the league, which leads to a really good conversation about the two Cy Young Awards coming up, the AL and the NL Cy Young Awards, who he thinks is in the lead there, and this formula that he's come up with for who's going to win the award. And it's been pretty much spot on for the last 15 years, he said. So he's going to break down the entire formula, who he thinks wins both awards, and a lot about the starters around the league. Turns out to be a really good conversation. I hope you all enjoy it. So without further ado, here's Hall of Famer, John Smoltz. Five ball, onto the track, at the wall, it's gone! Home run! Turns on a ball, deep right field, and gone! What a game, what a moment. All right, and I am joined now, as always, by Hall of Famer John Smoltz. John, how are you doing this week? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, just really, really uh, anticipating this last month of excitement for teams that should have been in the playoffs, teams that wouldn't of thought being a playoffs that are in. It's going to be an exciting month. Let's start this week, John, with one of the craziest brawls that I've seen in baseball in a few years, at least. The White Sox and Guardians, Tim Anderson, Jose Ramirez. First off, did you see this fight, and what was your first reaction when you saw it? Yeah, I was watching it, and I had no idea what triggered it, right? I mean, it was obviously a frustrating year for the White Sox. And didn't look like anything was egregious. And then all of a sudden, they're squaring off. And, you know, I I know we don't see many of them. And back in the day, there was a lot more. Maybe the Odor one with the punch hurt around the world at second base. But <laughs> it's only it only um, exasperates the way the year has gone for the White Sox, right? It's just been a frustrating year. They've lost a lot of players. They've lost a lot of games. And meanwhile, the Guardians are still trying to fight for the playoffs. So very strange. Um, 
And I'm sure, you know, the suspensions that came down were according yeah. to how uh, that went all about. In your career, what is the craziest fight that you have seen or been a part of on the baseball field? Well, the, the craziest is Braves Padres back in the late 80s. Uh, that is, that's an epic one that lasted forever. It even got <laughs> into the stands a little bit. You oh, got God. players coming back out of the dugout. That was insane. Shirts were off. Um, that that was about as fierce of a of a brawl, several brawls within one game. So that would be uh, hands down probably the, the the craziest. What was? Where were you during this? Oh, I was watching. I wasn't with the Braves then, so it was early yeah. before my time. So I was watching. Couldn't believe, you know, the replays and everything that went down. Pascual Perez. Uh, I think Eric Shaw was uh, one of the guys. As Champ Summers on the other side just had his shirt off. Bob Horner came out of the dugout with a cast on his hand. Um, they tried to hit Pasquale a few times, didn't work. Uh, it, it definitely it was it was filled with with a lot. Goose Gossage was on that team, oh. and um, so yeah, Craig Nettles. I mean, it, it was it was the craziest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> uh, speaking of. Craziest thing I've ever seen. John, earlier this week with the Baltimore Orioles, their their radio guy, Kevin Brown, um, was it came out that he was suspended by the team. And then the video comes out of what he was saying. And he was basically just listing facts that the team, how they had done against the Rays the last couple of seasons prior. And the organization didn't love that and ended up he's he's currently not working with the team. Uh, did you see this situation? I didn't see it, but the way you're describing it wouldn't be egregious to the point of suspension. Uh, I wonder if there's a little bit more to that. That's that is, that is a little bit weird. So it has taken the world, the, the baseball world by storm because the video came out and it was, it, it was acknowledged that this is, this was all there was to it, but he basically prior to a game, sits up there, his pregame speech about what's happening. And they were playing down there in the trop. And he basically reads the facts on the, the graphic that just says over the last two years here at the trop, we have not won hardly any baseball games and it, it hasn't been great, but this year's a different story against the Rays. And next thing you know, he, uh, he was suspended by the team and is no longer currently working there because they took offense to him saying that basically, which is just, I, I don't even know where to begin. It's just a mind blowing situation from somebody yourself in the broadcasting space. That's unbiased and, and says he just speaks the facts and he wasn't out of line. And I know you didn't see it, but it was, it was one of the craziest things that I've ever seen in the baseball world is not happy about it. Yeah, I can imagine. I mean, certainly a national broadcaster can never get suspended for doing that. Cause he has no allegiance <laughs> to anybody and maybe their, their feelings were a little more hurt than it was. Not it wasn't a non-factual thing, and uh, very surprised by that. And I'm sure there hopefully will be a resolution quickly. And uh, seems like there's a, a pretty big reaction to this. Yeah, and that would be the equivalent of reading, like you said, another stat. Yeah, about a player going over twenty against a pitcher. Yeah. So uh, I don't I don't see the validity in that, but we'll see how it plays out. Uh, John, I have uh, Zach Gallon coming on the show here and just wanted to talk to you about him. You as a Hall of Fame pitcher, I want you to talk about what you see 
from Zach Gallen, who's a guy that of all the pitchers in the game right now, we see guys throwing 102 miles an hour. He kind of does things differently, but is certainly one of the best pitchers in the game of baseball. What do you like watching about Zach Gallen? Uh, very clean mechanics, sneaky, fast, and everything he does, right? Ball gets on the hitter. He's rarely in the middle of the plate, and he mixes up his pitches. He's got the compliment to take out a left-hander and a right-hander. But I love the clean mechanics. You know, he's not going to wow you by falling off the mound and throwing 100, but he's going to do the ball, do the things that you have to do to pitch in this league. I, I'm a big believer. We know the game has changed, and hitters can hit the ball a country mile. But if you can put the ball where you want to almost every time, you're going to expose hitters. You don't have to throw 98. And it's a luxury to throw 98 and get away with more mistakes in the strike zone. But that's a false sense of security that won't last forever. What Zach Gallon is doing is he can repeat his mechanics and he knows where the ball's going and he makes very little mistakes in the middle of the plate. Speaking of one of the best pitchers in baseball, let's talk. Cy Young Awards in both leagues. I, I want to start in the American League. W when you look at the league right now, if you had to pick a front runner, I think there's the Framber Valdez's of the world who's coming off of a no-hitter. Garrett Cole's been great all year long. Uh, who do you like so far this year in the American League? If it ended right now, who do you think is a Cy Young winner? Yeah, if it ended right now, there's some great races. There's some guys who haven't pitched as many innings. I have a formula that's been pretty good for the last 15 to 20 years. I like that. It's not scientific. It's not <laughs> something I usually take a look in in September, but I take the five most popular statistics that quantify whatever they are. Somebody can whatever they are on what quantify a, a starting pitcher's success. And I rank those those contenders and whoever has the lowest denominator of those those positions in those categories usually comes out to be the Cy Young Award winner. So if you're second in innings, first in strikeout, fourth in whip, third in batting average, first in strikeout, add up all those numbers and rate it against the competitors. Right now, to me, I haven't done that process yet, but if I had to guess, Garrett Cole would be the leader in the clubhouse. Um, win total, I'm not even including wins, even yeah. though I think that's super important. We try to take away wins as a non-denominating, uh, you know, kind of factor. But he's pitched innings. He's his ability to get hitters out, obviously, and all those all those things that I think are important. He's in the mix. Framber's in the mix. Evaldi's had an incredible year. Even look at a guy like Zach Eflin's had a, had a great year. McClanahan, I thought, was running away with it for yeah. a while. His injury is probably going to cost him. So the guy that stays healthy and goes to the post at the end of the day is going to win the Cy Young in the American League, and it's probably going to be Garrett Cole. So I want to get a little better understanding of this formula because you've, you have this formula, but you said, does it, does it not matter what statistics you take just some popular ones and they can vary? Or do you have specific five stats that you use? Yeah. My, my specific five, I, I use wins as a tiebreaker. So the sixth category, I use innings pitched. I use strikeouts, average batting average against uh whip, or, you know, something similar to whip walks, hits the innings pitch. Uh, and, and you can, you basically uh, can utilize any of those around those areas. You can go eight deep, but I think the biggest thing that I've learned at watching this the last 20 years is that innings pitch, which has been diminished is a huge difference maker. If you're in the, if let's say there's four contestants, mm -hmm. if there's a gap, a big gap, in some of those categories, it should stand out. 
And I'm only taking like the top four and going one through four and trying to squeeze it together. If yeah. you want to take some analytical statistics, go ahead. I don't understand them all, but go ahead. <laughs> I, I guarantee you it's going to come out similar to what my formula is of simple, you know, back in the day, if you threw, look, you can't have a bad year throwing over 220 innings. You can't. It's impossible. You really can't have a bad year if you don't give up a lot of hits. Yeah. So your batting average against now strikeouts can be the same as outs. I can you could argue that you strike out 200, I strike out 130, and there's not that big a difference in our ERA. I know we want to quantify ERA differently, but I still think ERA is a big part of even though they say you can't control every component of ERA. So take the XFIP and everything else and whatever else they come up with and any other acronym, put it in their consistency, <laughs> but have some kind of don't just don't just make a vote without looking at the same categories for everybody. Yeah. And don't stretch a category because you want a candidate to be part of the Cy Young uh, conversation. And as simple as mine was for you know the longest time, it always came out with the Cy Young Award winner. And there's two ways to get the winner, and there's the analytical way, and then there's the boring way. I got the boring way. I'm going to, I'm going to guess, especially since wins is like a tiebreaker. I'm going to guess one of the times this formula didn't win is when Rick Porcello won the Cy Young over my brother a few years ago, when really his wins were just extremely inflated, but Justin was winning in every other category. I still don't quite get that one. And I have a feeling your formula would have agreed with me. Uh, absolutely. I was, <laughs> I think at the MLB network when I was doing it and Certainly, that was an outlier to some of the things that, you know, the gap that can happen. I remember even winning my Cy Young Award winning year, and there was some talk about, you know, Kevin Brown had a phenomenal year. He won 17 games. I won 24. Our numbers were similar. But I think you got to have some kind of gauge to, to, to um, yeah. go by. You just can't have a, a, a writer in the East Coast not see a pitcher in the West and vice versa and not do their diligence. I'm fine with when people do their homework and they have a basis or formula for which to do it. I think that's the best, best way to, to go about these awards. How do you last one here before we move on to the, the national league, but how do you figure out let's use the, it was a couple of years ago when Blake Snell won his Cy Young award and he threw significantly less innings than Justin that year, but was definitely more dominant when he was pitching. And I actually, I, I, I don't, disagree with the way that one turned out to me, the Rick Porcello one is an outlier. Uh, but how do you, in, in your head, like if you have one pitcher that didn't throw 200 innings and threw far less than one guy, but was definitely the more dominant pitcher compared to a guy that did have those innings, but maybe wasn't quite as dominant as the other guy, how do you differentiate that? And how would you go about picking that? That, that was one of my biggest arguments with people, of the analytical world, they just think that they could pro they could forecast what a guy's going to do. They have no understanding. The more innings you pitch, the harder it is. Yeah, it's much easier to dominate at 150 innings than it is at 220. Yeah, it's just the regression that you would go through. And to dominate at 220 should have a significant leverage over somebody who has the bare minimum to qualify yeah. for starting pitching awards. And that's why even in the day I took the actual overall rankings. And then it got so complicated, the number was so high. So in other words, <laughs> if if uh, Justin Verlander was number one in innings pitched, and in this case, Blake Snell was 30th, that gap takes care of itself. And if you go six categories down and he can't close the gap in any of those categories, yeah. well, then you, you, 
you can make that argument. I think dominance has been determined by statistical categories that sometimes come from people that don't know how hard it is to play the game of baseball. Yeah. And there are some cases where, let's say you're just a high strikeout total, like in the National League, Spencer Strider. I mean, he's a perfect case. It's going to see how the, the National League gets decided for the Cy Young. The gap is so huge in strikeouts, but that's just one category of outs. If another guy gets more outs and doesn't strike out as much and has a lower ERA, then I think that balances and actually leapfrogs him if they're close in, in those uh, rankings. Well, let's have that National League conversation then because Spencer Strider has been – the strikeout totals are remarkable. I actually don't feel like people discuss enough that last year he broke Randy Johnson's number for the fastest pitcher to 200 strikeouts in a season, and this year he broke his mark from last year. So, yeah, you want to yeah. talk outliers. Him striking out guys is certainly one, but where for you does the NL Cy Young conversation stand right now? Yeah, I think it's going to be a good one because there's so many different – it's a mixed bag. you got Zach Gallen. You've got, um, you know, of course, Spencer Strider. Um, there, there's a lot of guys that are at the mix of Corbin Burns, you know, maybe doesn't get the run support, and that, that therefore the, the category of wins is a little bit less. But, but you know what? I thought it was Spencer's to win for a while. And, you know, he's run into a couple games that have kind of blown up his ERA and some short innings. He has 132 innings and 200 and some strikeouts. I mean, it's ridiculous, <laughs> right? I get it. And he's a power pitcher. And But at the same time, if he lags, let's say, 30 or 40 innings from the next guy that's in the category, I think there's a, a case to be made for the guy who's pitched the most innings and has similar numbers minus the strikeouts would give him the edge for me. So that it's it's more of a wide open race uh in the National League than than we thought uh when Spencer Strider was off to that incredible start. And look, Burnsy for Milwaukee is so good. He can do the same thing. He's had some injuries. So I think you gotta reward the guy and the people that have been there, done that, and make all their starts pitch deep in the game. And have similar stats. So for you, if if Spencer Strider down the stretch can make every start and get into that seventh, eighth inning and get his innings total up there a little bit uh, and, and bridge the gap a little bit, then it becomes, I don't want to say a no-brainer, but then the conversation becomes easier with how dominant he's been. Yeah, I agree. I mean, he doesn't give up, you know, let's say he's not giving up many hits and he's yeah. striking out 12, 13, 14. Yeah, absolutely. That always is going to catch the eye of the voter. Um, and you know, he's got the wins. He's just menacing, missing somewhat of the run prevention and the innings. And if those kind of level off and he is able to do that now, the downside for him and the Atlanta Braves is they may have it wrapped up too. Yeah. And they want to get, may want to give him some rest. So you got to take a lot of things into consideration, uh, when these things go to the final day and it might be the final start that pushes somebody over the top. John, this guy's not going to win the Cy Young Award because he hasn't pitched a ton this year. But man, that Braves rotation is getting healthy. Max Fried pitched the other day. He was phenomenal in his first start back. How, I mean, how good is he? How much fun is he to watch? And how important is he to an Atlanta Braves rotation? Well, he's huge. The rotation for the Braves is leaking some oil right now. And they're going to look for Max Fried to hopefully be the guy that they can count on in a one two punch with Strider. If they get Kyle right back in the last month and he can make four starts, that is just such a huge uh, bonus for a team that's been really, really good without those two. 
I didn't think this was possible. Honestly, you're talking about two of the elite pitchers, a guy who won over 20 games the year before and one of the elite left-handers in the game. So this is huge for the Braves. Uh, might be able to give some other guys a rest as they ramp up and try to secure that best record of baseball. John, fun conversation today, my friend. I appreciate you joining me. Uh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. All right. See ya. All right. Just wanted to thank John again for joining me. Always a blast of a conversation and really cool talking to him and getting his knowledge there. The Cy Young conversation, I thought, was awesome. Hearing the formula he has, who he thinks is in the lead in both leagues, really cool conversation. Also, I was surprised when he first said it that he hadn't heard the Orioles thing, but the more I think about it, he's not on any social media intentionally. It it actually doesn't shock me, but I'm sure he will see it and hear about it soon because it has been everywhere and a big talk from around the league. So thank you all for listening to this Saturday episode. I appreciate it. Make sure you're subscribed anywhere you listen to your podcast, Apple, Spotify, wherever. We're also on all social media, including YouTube, where you can watch every single thing we do at Flippin' Bats Pod on all the socials. Thank you all for listening to this Saturday episode. Until next time, my friends, peace.